houses who never quite got used to the head of MI6 being a woman. The situation room was large and cavernous. It was hexagonal, and cinema-sized video screens on the walls surrounded the men and women who worked there. In the middle of the floor were banks of computers, desks, telephones, and various other communications links to the outside world. This was where Britain's first line of defence began. The big decisions were made in the Situation Room, and if something really serious came up, then the Minister of Defence would attend as well. The terrorist flea market in Afghanistan was not particularly serious, but it warranted enough concern that the Russian general be allowed inside the sacred walls to watch. Once news from MI6's man in the field reached them that the weapons exchange would indeed take place, Admiral Roebuck ordered HMS Chester to patrol the Gulf of Oman. He was quite prepared to order the ship to fire a cruise missile at the site, effectively ending the bi-monthly exchange of the Devil's Play Toys. Bill Tanner was a long-time veteran of the Secret Service, the chief of staff when the former M, Sir Miles Massavy, was in charge. Sir Miles had retired two years ago and had been succeeded by the formidable new M. Small in stature but sharp and alert, Tanner wore a headset that provided direct communication to the camera operator of the secret site, and used a red laser pen to point out to the spellbound audience items of interest on the larger-than-life image. "'As we suspected, a regular terrorist swap meet,' he confirmed. "'A Chinese long-march scud, a French A-17 attack helicopter, a pair of Russian mortars, stolen,' interrupted General Bukharin, obviously incensed. "'And the crates look like American rifles, Chilean mines,' and German explosives, Tanner continued. He looked at M and raised his eyebrows. Fun for the whole family. M squinted her eyes. IDs, Tanner spoke into his headset. Black rook to white knight, zoom in on those people on the right, would you please? The group watched as the video image panned to a view of one of the arms traders. Tanner pressed a button that prompted the computer to zoom in and begin a facial matching program. Thousands of images blurred past in a split second, then stopped on a man's mugshot. A dossier appeared alongside. Tanner quickly summarized the information. Gustav Meinholz, former East German Stasi agent. He is now working freelance out of Tehran. The man had a long face, dark hair, glasses, and hollow cheeks. The camera moved and zeroed in on another face. The facial matching program went through its tricks again. Satoshi Isagura chemical expert. He's wanted for the Tokyo subway attack, currently working for the insurgent force in Zaire. Isaguro was Japanese, thin, with closely cropped hair and a receding hairline. He sported a Fu Manchu moustache and was quite sinister-looking indeed. Next, the camera focused on four men negotiating over a makeshift desk of crates. Three of the men were Eastern European, but the fourth, a sour, heavy, bearded man in his late forties or early fifties, might have been Indian or Pakistani. He wore a long, heavy coat and scarf, and a Russian-style fur cap over his ears. If a bulldog could grow whiskers, it might have resembled the man pictured on the huge wall monitor. He signalled impatiently for his bodyguards to open a briefcase full of cash. Tanner punched up the facial mapping programme, and the man's dossier appeared. Henry Gupta. Well, well. He practically invented techno-terrorism— He's been on the FBI's most wanted list since he nearly wiped out the whole of Berkeley, California, in 1967. He used to be a radical, then became an anarchist. Now he works for cash. On the screen, Gupta was given a small, oblong red box in return for the money. 
He opened it, but the lid obscured the box's contents from the viewers in London. Zoom in on that, can you? M snapped. Tanner worked the zoom. Luckily, Gupta turned to speak to someone and the device in the box was revealed. Well, gentlemen, M declared, we will be dining out on that for many years. I can't wait to show this to the CIA. Admiral Roebuck shrugged. He didn't care much for spy stuff. Lacking any semblance of a sense of humor, Roebuck was the epitome of Royal Navy stiffness. He was the type of man who liked to be in control, and he never let anyone forget it. Roebuck was in his fifties, tall, broad-shouldered, and wore a perpetual frown on his face that prompted M to comment behind his back that the Admiral always looked as if he were chronically constipated. Admiral Roebuck turned to his fellow officers and asked, "'You saw that radar-controlled Gatling gun, General?' Bukharin nodded. "'Yes. Also the short-range mortars.' The Russian's English was remarkably good. General Bukharin...